Hello and welcome to Built to Go, a van live podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 176, and we're going to talk about 10 things I got wrong. That's right, we're going to do it here in a van down by the river, which, you know, is kind of our goal, right? (laughs) We're also going to talk about Haiti and a strange encounter I had there, an idea by a listener named Cody, who I think has a great idea, and I'm going to share it with you, and we're going to talk about a museum that's full of bad art. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Very glad to have you here. This episode of the podcast will have no commercials. Thank you very much to Carrie and Kent. I really appreciate it. If you would like to help support this show, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash built to go. That's two T's, not three, not one. Getting better at that. And I did fix it. It now says buy me a gallon rather than buy me a some diesel. So I'm making progress. Anyway, guys, this is episode 176. And over the years I've been doing this podcast, um, I've gotten some stuff wrong. And I've gotten more stuff wrong than I'm probably aware of. So first... I'd like to give you an invitation that any time you hear me say something wrong or that you're not sure of or that you disagree with or whatever, please let me know. Now, if it's a matter of opinion, yeah, we might disagree. But if it's a matter of fact, well, there's no reason to disagree. We just have to figure out what the facts are. And if I'm wrong on a fact, boy, I really want to know about that. So you can always email me at jeff at builttogo.com and I will happily engage in a conversation with you uh, because Honestly, I don't care if I'm wrong. I like being wrong because the moment I recognize I'm wrong, I'm actually more right. (laughs) That means I've learned something. That means I have a better, more accurate perspective. And really, that's super important to me. So so please help me out. In the meantime, (laughs) here are 10 things that I know I know I got wrong. And well, I apologize. And all I can do really is (laughs) spill them for you right now. So, number one, inverters. If you've been a long-time listener of this program, I have been very, very negative about inverters since day one. And the reason is that I was building out an NV200 with just 12 volts in it. No 110-volt stuff, no inverters, because inverters are inherently inefficient. You lose power. And since I was doing such a spare build where I wanted to maximize the amount of juice I could get out of my meager batteries. Now remember, I had two 35 amp hour AGM batteries in this thing. So 70 amp hours, but AGM, meaning I can only use half. So I had 35 amp hours of power in this van and that's not a lot. (laughs) I had a 12 volt compressor fridge, several fans, a water pump, lots of lights. I had all this stuff that was running off of 12 volts and I'm charging my electronics in there too. And you know what? It worked fine. I never ever ran out of power. The 200 watts of solar on the roof and the variable voltage relay that I had under the hood kept the battery charged. So great. But now that I'm in this much bigger van, and for those on the podcast who aren't watching me right now, I am sitting in my van down by the Chicago River right now. This van has given me a new perspective. Uh, I have enough power in here 
that I don't have to worry about the inefficiency and the inverters come in actually very handy. I have a microwave oven in here that runs off the inverter. I charge power tools with the inverter and sometimes it's just nice to not have to think about it and just plug in whatever you want. So I think I was too harsh on inverters. I do think they have a use, but I'm still thinking that you shouldn't rely on them too much. I know people who build their rigs where everything runs on 110 volts. There's no reason to run your lights off of 110 volts or even fans for that matter. So anyway, I apologize to the inverters. I was a little too harsh. Number two, I recommended a bank a while ago that should be perfect for van life. It's a bank with no branches, everything's online, and they had given me really good customer service at the time I recommended them. And the name of that bank is Ally Bank. Unfortunately, within weeks of me promoting them and saying, hey, this is a great bank, I've used them for years, their customer service turned awful. I've had unbelievable problems with them where the app doesn't work or there's no service or at one point they canceled all my checks, all my unwritten checks. They just canceled all those numbers for some reason. So I was writing checks, like the check I bought the scamp with bounced. <laughs> not that there was money in the account. It's just that the bank for some reason had decided to not honor those check numbers. It took me a month to sort that out. It was a nightmare. So. I'm sorry, I love the idea of an online bank, but Ally Bank has let me down and I can't recommend them anymore. Number three, when I started building out this van, I was all excited to find these things that were these little tiny devices that were an MPPT solar controller and a DC to DC charger in this one nice, neat little package. And you hooked your solar panels into it and you connected it to your drive battery, your starter battery, and then boom, one-stop shopping in this little tiny package, not this giant Renogy Rover solar controller that I was used to. And I thought, wow, why isn't everyone using these? And it was fairly inexpensive. I think it was less than 300 bucks. Well, the reason everyone's not using those is because they're terrible. <laughs> they are terrible. I've tried two of them now, and they're just a nightmare. They're, they don't have any Wi-Fi connectivity. You can't really see anything except the very limited lights that are on them. And they do weird things. For example, the one I have installed in here now, which is the one I recommended on the show, it won't charge anything until the battery's dead. <laughs> so sure, it will charge your battery with solar or the, the starter battery, but it waits until it's completely dead before it sends power to it again. That is not of any use to me. <laughs> you know, I want to like keep making power because I'm not going to be able to make any at night. So uh, yeah, I can't recommend these things. With mine, I have turned it into just a DC-DC charger that I turn off. I have a fear that it's actually draining the starter battery, so I don't trust the thing. I don't recommend it at all. And if you do happen to have one, I'm sorry. You can use it as an emergency backup if your other controller fails, but no, don't buy them. Get a separate DC-to-DC -DC charger and a separate MPPT controller. Number four, Oh, another one, uh, Robinhood. Robinhood, the stock trading service. I've had great luck with Robinhood. I've shared it with my friends and they get a free stock and I get a free stock and it's like a great deal, right? And a week, a week after I recommended them on the podcast, they pulled this thing with cryptocurrency where you would put in a buy or sell order and they wouldn't execute it. 
they were too busy, you see. They were overwhelmed with the number of crypto transactions, and they couldn't service your order. And, well, that's not acceptable. We're talking about money here. And I am by no means a day trader or anything like that, but some people are. And waiting even a minute to trade something can cost a lot of money. Never mind a week, which is how it was when they were really failing with the cryptocurrency. So things do seem better for them now, but there are so many options for inexpensive trading that, sorry, Robin Hood, you guys were a pioneer, but you're just not keeping up and uh, it's gonna take a long time to earn my trust back. <laughs> Number five, early on, I, I did actually did a lot of research on this as to what kind of plants would be best in your van. Because, you know, hey, I like plants. You can't tell right now because I don't have any plants in the van, but plants are nice. They add a little hominess. They produce a little oxygen. They can even remove some chemicals from the air, you know, whatever. Uh, but there's one problem with them. <laughs> you can't cross borders with them. So if you're gonna stay in the country you're in, or literally in the state you're in, because sometimes the state borders matter, yeah, you can have plants and it's fine. And the plant I actually ended up recommending was something called a Z plant, which is like this unkillable plant. It doesn't care if it's sunny or not, or if it's dry or wet, it doesn't care. But if you try to go to Canada from the US, they're not gonna to be too happy if you have a plant. They don't want any soil brought in from the United States because it can carry pathogens that they don't have. And in Central America, similar things in South America. So if you have a plant, know that if you cross borders, you might have to throw it out. And I, I should have mentioned that in the plant episode. <laughs> Number six, ah, air conditioning. I, I'm on, still on the fence on this. I'm not entirely sure that I'm wrong. But in the early days of this podcast, I was just like, no, you can't have air conditioning. Forget about it. No air conditioning for you. Unless you have shore power or a gasoline power generator, you are not having air conditioner in your van. That isn't entirely true anymore. There have been a number of new 12-volt air conditioners that kind of make it almost reasonable to put air conditioning in your van. But it's still out of reach for most of us. It's still gonna cost you thousands of dollars. You're gonna need a giant bank of batteries. And the most difficult part of it is a way to charge those giant bank of batteries. We're talking about 1,000, 1,200 watts of solar on the roof. And uh, most vans' roofs aren't that big. <laughs> so I was wrong to be so harsh against it. If you've got unlimited resources and you're willing to be creative, you might be able to get air conditioning in your van. I mean, and I'm talking about air conditioning that you can run all night. I mean, that's kind of my test. Can I run the air conditioning all night and then every night and not have to worry about it? That's my gold standard. And uh, some of us can almost get there. But for most of us, nah. Number seven, I just did this a uh, couple episodes ago. Switches. Yeah, AC or DC, does it matter? Can you go to Home Depot and just get the normal wall switches and use them in your van on your DC circuits? Uh, kinda, I mean, it's not going to not work, but the problem is that those switches aren't designed for that. And when you send DC through an AC switch, you get a lot of arcing, and arcing damages the switch and causes other problems too. So it's not a good idea. You can do it, but uh, you shouldn't. And I, early on in the podcast, I completely missed that and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, that was a bad thing. So, uh, don't rip out all your AC switches if you put them in there, but going forward, yeah, go ahead and buy a DC switch, preferably a Marine switch because they're higher quality. They're designed for DC. They can handle the arcing and the sudden increase in amperage the way AC switches can't. Number eight, and this one kind of hurts, Camco drains. 
Camco makes these really nice drains for campers. They're traps. They're, they go into the bottom of your sink, and they're a trap to keep the odors from coming up the hose. And they don't have that big pea trap. They, they just take up this little bit of space. It's this little tiny thing with a hose. And I've used them in a lot of vans. I have them in this van now, and they're great. But what I got wrong about them is that they don't solve a problem that people think they will. And that is if your gray water tank rises above the bottom of your sink, these things won't work at all. Uh, they get a lock in them and then the water won't drain. So I should have mentioned that when I recommended these. If you are going to use a Campco drain, make sure there is space for the hose to go down so gravity can go down into your gray water tank. And depending on your build, especially if you're in like a minivan, you might not have space to do that. A normal P-trap is less sensitive to this issue. So sorry about that. I made it look really, really simple, but it's actually a little bit more complicated. Number nine. This is a little tricky. Uh, at this point, lithium batteries have come down in price that it's almost a given that you should use lithium. Just spend the money on the lithium. They last 10 years, amortized over the years. It's cheaper to buy lithium, etc., etc., etc. But there are times when you don't want lithium. If you're going to do a lot of winter camping and you don't have a big budget, an AGM battery can make more sense. And the reason is that you can't charge lithium batteries when it's below freezing. Now, they do make self-heating batteries, and that will solve the problem, but they're fairly pricey. You're paying a big premium for that. And it might just be easier to get AGM. No, they're not going to last as long. No, they're not going to be able to be discharged as much. But they'll charge in any conditions, just about, unless the thing's frozen solid, which isn't very likely. It's a much more durable battery for extremely cold weather. And that's a reason to not get lithium. So if you're in that circumstance where you're kind of like a ski bum and you're spending all your time skiing and you don't keep your van heated all day, yeah, AGM might be better than lithium for that application. And number 10, I'll bet you can guess what number 10 is. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm sitting in it. <laughs> Diesel Sprinter Ambulance. That's three in one. <laughs> I bought this thing because it had low miles. It was a decent price. And because it had diesel, it got better fuel mileage. All those things should have meant that it would have been cheaper and easier for me to build into a camper. And no, none of that's been true. It's been incredibly expensive. The repair bills are outrageous. Diesel costs went through the roof right after I bought this. And it turns out that an ambulance comes pre-built, but if you want to change anything, it's a nightmare. The way they put things in, there's stuff that overlaps stuff, and you basically have to take the entire thing apart. And if you're gonna take the entire thing apart, well, don't get an ambulance in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I think, I've, I think I've said I'm wrong about that a whole lot of times. Do what I say, not what I do. But, uh, yeah, here we are. And, uh, heck, despite all that, I still love the van. <laughs> so, folks, if you find anything else that I'm wrong about, please let me know. I absolutely want to fix it. Tech Talk. So, uh, last week I talked about how your van wants to kill you. 
And one of the things that came up were partitions and how a partition can be a good thing because then if stuff kind of flies forward in an accident, it'll hit the partition and not you. But some folks like to turn their seats around to have more space, right? You've got the driver's seat and the passenger seat. And if you put them on swivels, well, they become furniture while you're parked in your van. It makes a lot of sense. So what do you do? Well, Cody had a great idea on Facebook and he said, why don't you just put up a cargo net? And yes, I think this is a solution that could be a compromise. Now, a cargo net isn't going to be as secure as a well-built partition, but it is removable. The trick is going to be finding secure anchor points. And that's going to be up to you. You're going to have to find really secure anchor points in your van. Now, a lot of vans come with D-rings in the floor that you can attach to. That would be a good start. But the ceiling part's a little trickier. What are you going to attach them to? The only idea I have in that regard is to see if somehow the seatbelt mounts can be involved because they're one of the strongest points in your van. They're required to be. So if you can find a way to mount one of these to a seatbelt without compromising the seatbelt or changing it in any way, that might offer a little bit of protection. But you're not going to be as protected as if you have an actual solid steel partition. Anyway, I thought I would just pass that along. I thought it was a great idea and something to consider for someone who's building with swivel seats. And Cody, thank you. Product review. So Ikea, I know, I know, Ikea again. You think I'm obsessed with Ikea, but it's only because I am. That's no other reason. Ikea sells this product called Skadis, or I don't know how you pronounce things in Swedish, but it's S-K-A-D-I-S with some funny little things on top of the letters. Skadis. And it's this pegboard system that I actually have installed in this van. And uh, it's very versatile. So the way this works is it's, it's not normal pegboard. Instead of circular holes like in pegboard that you would get from Home Depot or whatever, it has slots. And you mount it offset from the wall a bit, and then Ikea sells all these things that fit in those slots. There's little bungee cords and there's cups and shelves and all kinds of stuff. And if you modify the stuff a little bit, you bend the metal a little bit, it mounts very securely and it might be a solution for you in your van. In my van, I have one of these mounted over the stove. Now my stove is by the door that slides open against the bulkhead, against the partition and I have it on there. And I have all my cooking stuff in there, salt and pepper spices, I have a spice rack in there, uh, tongs and spatulas and all that stuff. I have in a cup with a bungee cord. And all right, mine looks kind of messy right now, to be honest, and if you're not careful with this, it will look messy. But it's actually super handy. I mean, I just have to reach and grab whatever I want, and it all stays put while I'm driving. Now, remember the part I said about modifying it. You do have to modify the little drawers and the little clips that hook on there so they don't fly off in your van. And I think if you're in an off-road rig where you're doing some real bouncing, yeah, some of the stuff is going to fly out. But for me, doing a normal level of off-road stuff, nothing falls off of there, and it works pretty well. So they're fairly affordable, and they come in a bunch of colors, and you can buy all these accessories. And heck, go to Ikea and take a look and see if it's a good solution for your van. They will have them set up there, and you can see how they work. And I don't know. For me, I think they're pretty good. Tales from the road. So I was in Haiti 
as one finds oneself. And when I, as soon as I say that, as soon as I say, I'm in Haiti, it conjures up an image, right? You're, you're thinking of Haiti, however you envision Haiti, and that's probably wrong unless you've been there yourself. And you're envisioning me there doing something, but it's almost assuredly not what I was actually doing. This was about 20 years ago, and I found myself in the bay where Christopher Columbus actually landed on Hispaniola, the name of the entire island, and I'm on a jet ski. <laughs> I'm going to guess that that's not what you imagined. So there I am on a jet ski, tooling about, minding my own business. When we stop in this bay, and we had a tour guide, and he was explaining how Columbus landed here, and, you know, no big deal, whatever. And then all these kayaks launch from the shore, a ton of them. And a lot of them say Royal Caribbean on them because they're stolen kayaks. We were near a fishing village and apparently the locals had acquired a whole bunch of kayaks and had used them to basically go sell things to the tourists. And hey, that's me, I'm the tourist. And so they come out incredibly fast and then they surround the jet ski. So I literally can't move unless I run them over, which is not something I want to do. But they're not there to cause any harm. They just want to sell some things. And they've got all manner of wooden carved things that they probably didn't carve themselves. But you know, okay, I'll play along. But you know, I, I'm, I'm traveling, my bags are full, I really don't want a wooden thing. Um, I'm cool with supporting them, right? I, I really want to support them. I understand that they are maybe trying to make enough money to have dinner, <laughs> you know? They're in a completely different situation than me. So I had this crazy idea. Now, I am not a big fan of missionaries. I, I'm not a big fan of people who go places and spread their religion. Because while some of them do some good, a lot of them don't. To me, it's a terrible thing to give somebody a Bible when they're hungry. And I noticed that a person had on his wrist, the guy closest to me, one of those rubber bracelets. And it said WWJD on it. And there was a little cross and I thought, you know, I'll bet this guy had an encounter with a missionary and that's where he got this thing. But to me, WWJD doesn't mean the normal thing it means. To me, it means, what would Jeff do? And well, in this case, what Jeff would do is to point at the bracelet and pull $20 out of his wallet. Yes, I offered the man $20 for his rubber, what would Jesus do bracelet. And I thought, you know, this might be something that really matters to him. You know, maybe he's a deeply religious man and this rubber bracelet is something very important to him. But, you know, he can say no. So we'll see what happens. And so I do this. And then nearly breaking the speed of sound, he tears the thing from his wrist and thrusts it in my hand and holds out his hand for me to give him the $20, which I do. <laughs> At that point, he paddles away from the jet ski and everybody follows him. And they're all looking at the $20 bill that he's holding in his hand like some prize. And then they're looking for their own bracelets and they start pointing at them to see if anybody wants to buy them. And I sadly know I'm the only one who would actually do this. But, uh, but yeah, I paid $20 for a WWJD rubber bracelet in Haiti. And I think that is the most good one of those bracelets has ever done. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
a place to visit. Now, this is a very visual place, and it's a little hard for me to just talk about, but it's a place I've been to, <laughs> although it has moved quite a bit. It is called the Museum of Bad Art. <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out that there is a museum where you will find nothing nothing but bad art. And that's kind of the point of the museum. This museum was started by some folks who kept finding trash art or art in the trash, usually after college semesters had ended. College students move out and they have to put the stuff they're not taking home in the trash. And there was a lot of art. Some of it was art that they had made themselves. Some of it was art they bought. And well, it's still art. And you know, there's a fascination with looking at art that isn't wanted, <laughs> you know? It's still art, but it's not wanted. So what is it? What does it mean? What is the message? So the Museum of Bad Art, when I saw it, it was in Dedham, Massachusetts. It's now in Boston, Massachusetts. It's actually in a bar in Dorchester, or if you're from Massachusetts, Dorchester. It's in the Dorchester Brewing Company, which is at 1250 Mass Ave. And it's a collection of all this art that for some reason was discarded, or someone else has said is bad. <laughs> now, Boston's a college town. You can start hours of conversation by asking the time-honored question, what is art? What is the purpose of art? And then modifying it by, what is bad art? Can the Mona Lisa be considered bad art? Can a chimpanzee painted as the Mona Lisa be considered bad art? Only you can decide. <laughs> For me, I enjoy all of it. I, some of it's just very strange, but to me, the purpose of art is to get you thinking and feeling, and this bad art does that. Although sometimes what it gets you thinking and feeling is, what were they thinking? <laughs> anyway, if you happen to be in Boston and you're looking for a brew pub, go to the Dorchester Brewing Company and you can just have a beer and then take a look at the walls because the Museum of Bad Art is literally the walls of this pub. Uh, I love it. And uh, the next time I'm in Boston, I hope to check it out again. Resource Recommendation so this is another site I found that can help with a common problem is where do you get windows for your van? Now, I'm not talking about the window glass, like the windshield and the drivers and passenger side windows or anything like that. I'm talking about the cool windows like by Motion Windows or whatever company that go on the sides of the vans. Where do you actually buy that stuff? I mean, you can go to the van outfitters, but they seem expensive and there's not all that many options. Well, I found a site that has a lot of options and they seem to only sell really high quality stuff. And the name of the site is rvwindows.com. I'll have a link in the show notes, but folks, I think you can type in rvwindows.com. A great selection of all types of windows for whatever your application is. Now, it says RV windows, and that's because most RVs use the same windows. And the manufacturers of RVs typically just buy windows from a manufacturer, so you can find the same windows in a bunch of different brands. And, well, these are those windows. So you can find profile windows that kind of hug the side of the van, or you can find sliding windows with screens or whatever. At the very least, go have a look at their inventory and, and see what you think. I mean, maybe you'll get some ideas. 
I'm not sponsored by them. I'm not recommending them particularly. I just think they have a nice catalog, and they are a place to find this stuff. So go ahead and check out rvwindows.com and see if they have a window that'll work for you. Thank you very much for listening to episode 176. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. If you would like to help support this project, go ahead and buy me a gallon of diesel at buymeacoffee.com slash built to go. And I really appreciate it. You guys have been super supportive and that's why there are no ads on the podcast, which makes everybody happy. Until next time, remember the words of Brian Andreas, who said, I like geography best because your mountains and rivers know the secret. Pay no attention to boundaries. Pay no attention to the boundaries. What the frick is going on out there?